Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. It's great to see you today. God bless you. Wow, what a, what a wonderful day to be together. Oh, man, I am, I'm so grateful for how good God is to us. He is so good to us. And, and what a fall we've had. Can you think back with me about this fall? It's been incredible. Um, you know, you've been experiencing it out here. We've had record numbers all fall. It's been crazy. Um, this service is ridiculously full. What are you doing? Uh, I think it's wonderful. Um, our, our 11 o'clock service in Victoria is like standing room only, people in the atrium. It's been such a wonderful season, just like a, a record record season. We also had a 100th anniversary. I don't know if any of you came down to the Victoria location for that, but that was really cool. Um, and uh, Luke, uh, one of our worship pastors, put together a medley. And uh, I'm getting asked all over the country, how do I get the medley? Um, it was like songs from the 20s all the way through. So we sing. We, all that mattered to me is that we sing, Lord, I lift your name on high and shout to the Lord. Anybody know what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, we had a great time. And then obviously, you know, we had our conference and that was an incredible weekend. You had Pastor Christo here on the Sunday, but we were together all weekend. We've done a lot of stuff this fall. Um, and I want to come with an update on Heart for the House. I told you about our need. Uh, for Heart for the House, and, and the church has responded. We're nearing the $400,000 mark in giving for Heart for the House. So thank you, church. You're amazing. You're incredible. God is doing so much. And when we, when we step back and we think about it on, a, on a, a macro level, we think about this big picture of all that God's doing. If you think about God in heaven moving the chess pieces around on his cosmic chessboard. You have a better feeling about the good things and also about the things that are harder to understand. Because you step back and you say, we know God is good. We know he's moving, but he continues to move. And sometimes the moves don't make sense to us. I don't know if you've ever watched an expert play chess. You're like, you're going to lose that piece. Don't put it right there. And they're like, oh yeah, I am. But I've got four or five moves coming that you're not thinking about, and it's already checkmate, right? And this is that picture that we need sometimes, especially when we deal with things that are difficult for us. Um, when we start to, start to look at the whole picture, we can see God is good, God is doing good things, but sometimes things come to us that are harder to understand. Today, we're actually going to talk about some of those things that are a little harder to understand, and I think God wants to help us walk through uh, this season with some, some real peace in our hearts about how good God is. So, um, Pastor Lucas and Trina... Um, and Pastor Adam and Shandy, uh, we're having to say goodbye to them. We're having to start our goodbyes. And so if anyone is shocked by that news, just take a minute and be shocked. But then put the shock on the side because I want to talk to you. And I want to use this reality today to help us trust God, to be an example of how we can walk through loss. Okay, so here, here's, here's what I want you to think about with me for a few minutes. How is it that we process loss in a healthy way. So 
Uh, Pastor Lucas and Trina are taking the role as the new lead pastors of Elam Church in Saskatoon. And they're not here, but let's give them applause. That's a, a noble um, a noble role and, and a, a noble task that they're setting their hands to. And Pastor Adam and Shandy are taking the lead pastor role at Calvary Temple in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And so I know you don't want to, but can we, can we congratulate them on that decision? Good luck. You know, the, the, the truth is, this is the acceptance of a heavy weight, of a, of a, of a true, this is examples of true servants' hearts that are saying, God, take me wherever you want me, even if it's hard. And so we have to process their loss. But let me tell you this, we're going to use that as an example. Here's the truth, friends. Loss is a reality of life. And so we get to learn now how to do this as a community because each of us are touched by loss at different times and in different ways. Isn't that the truth? You can't avoid loss. Loss is a part of life. And so how do we process saying goodbye to leaders that we love, leaders who have taught us, who have invested in us, who have helped us? How do we have a healthy viewpoint on that? And I want to help you because loss is a reality. I, I, I said to the uh, early service today, I, someday it'll be me. I have to go. Uh, I said, I hope it's when I'm like 92 and I die of a heart attack on the stage while preaching. And Lisa said, no. She's in the front row, no. Like, okay, but it seems kind of good. It's like, I see you, Jesus. <laughs> it just seems like that'd be awesome. But anyway, it, loss is a reality. So what, what should we hang on to? when we're walking through loss. Let me give you a couple thoughts. The first thought is this. You need to remember that God is your shepherd. Uh, you could amen a little better than that. Come on. God is your shepherd. God is your shepherd. And you're his sheep. And he's going to look after you. God is your shepherd. Listen to how King David said this in, in one of the most famous places to gather comfort for us as believers. I want you to gather comfort today. It's from Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's so personal. It's not the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's very personal. And, and, and he leads me, and he cares for me. And for a season, he used these pastors as part of his shepherding of me. But understand this, God is your shepherd. And that does not change. And when the Lord is your shepherd, you, I, shall not want. And when we think about want in this particular context, you've got to look at it in two ways because there's a double meaning. The first one is, I don't need anything because God has looked after me. I don't need anything. His provision is completely satisfactory. I'm cared for. I've got everything I need. That's awesome. But on the other side, it's kind of like a stomp your foot and hold your ground kind of thing. It's like, I shall not want. I'm going to make a choice, and I'm going to choose to say that I trust God that he will provide for me. I'll fight meaningless pursuits to meet my own needs, and I'll trust that God has a good way forward. I'm choosing I shall not want because he's my shepherd. You know, all sheep need care. They all need feeding. They all need shearing, haircuts, right? They, they all need protection. They all need nurturing. And the truth is, is you can't meet your own needs, that's the reality of being 
he's your shepherd and you're his sheep, is that you don't get to meet your own needs. You can't meet your own needs, but we, don't, we try, don't we? We try to meet all of our own needs. And the reason why is because the power of want is so great. And so that's why this psalm says, I shall not want. Because the power of want is so great. I want certain things. I want money and possessions, but they won't protect me from illness. I want knowledge and influence, but my life diminishes over time, and so do these things. I want relationships, and and romance and friendship can even let me down and leave me without all my needs met. The truth is, there's no better shepherd than your God. You shall not want. You shall not want. That's your choice. Jesus was a good shepherd. Jesus was a good shepherd. In fact, in, in John 10, 11, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. What a beautiful picture. And, and this is Jesus foreshadowing his death on the cross to save us. It's beautiful. It's powerful. He says, I'm a good shepherd. And I want you to know, Jesus, your God, is a good shepherd. Listen, it wasn't me. It wasn't Pastor Adam or Shandy. It wasn't Pastor Lucas or Trina that laid down their life for you. It was Jesus. He's a good shepherd. And you have a good shepherd. And here's what I want you to know. Second thing, your shepherd has really good plans. He's got good plans. And and you just need to hear that. You need to let that settle in. God has good plans. You need to feel the full comfort of this word from Psalm 23. Because the next thing that we learn is that he has plans to give us true rest. It says he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Man, you know, a a sheep won't lie down if they're nervous. They won't lie down if they're afraid or hungry or bothered by the other sheep or, or by pests swirling around. They have to be at peace. And so God takes us to the place where we can trust him, where we can rest in him. And and the truth is, is in that place, he feeds us. It's a green pasture. His word, so good. So listen, you don't need to be afraid. Some of you are asking yourself, what are we going to do? I want you to know, God's got it. God has this in hand. Remember, he's the one moving the pieces around. And we trust him because he is a good shepherd. And he has really good plans. And you can rest in him. Second thought I'll give you is that he has plans to give you pure refreshment. Next thing it says is that he leads you by still waters. I I don't know if you have that image in your mind, but I sure do. It's like a Beautiful mountains are surrounding, and there's green grass all around this beautiful stream, and it's still, it's quiet. The Bible says quiet waters. It, it's, it's like glass on the top. You can see that it's moving, but it's just gorgeous. Why? Because it's deep. Shallow water is noisy. Deep water is quiet. And that's where God brings us. He brings us to that place where it's deeper, where it's refreshing, where it's not stagnant, but it's pure and it's clean and it's deep. And know this, your good shepherd has good plans for you. They're always good. And he nourishes and he satisfies you there. You can trust him. You can also see that his plan is full of restoration. Next thing it says is he restores my soul. To have a restored soul is such a beautiful thing. And again, it's a double meaning word, this this word restoration. It means I'll heal what is sick or broken. 
And that's good. That's the promise of God's healing. But it also means to bring back, bring back what was lost. And so in other words, sometimes our soul gets lost. Sometimes we wander off emotionally. Sometimes we think about things that lead us down a particular path or, or we feel just, you know, like we're undone. And, and, and God says, let me restore your soul. Come on back. You're feeling emotional. Come, let my comfort find you. Let me bring you back to the original intent, the original idea, the original plan. I'm right here. And friends, this is your time to trust your soul to God. This is the time that we need to do it more than ever. Your current leader doesn't restore your soul. Jesus does. And he's still doing that work today. And he'll do it tomorrow and next week and beyond. And you know what? We actually, even though we didn't want to learn this, we learned this in COVID. That you can be all alone and God is still so very much there. You can be all by yourself and yet the presence of God can restore you. He can work in your soul. And so we've been blessed by Adam and Shandy. We've been blessed by their ministry. But God is still the one who's doing the work in our souls. Amen? Amen. That's important for us to think about. And his plan includes trustworthy guidance. It says that he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He does it for his own glory. But this, this phrase, paths of righteousness, it doesn't mean holiness or perfection, which we might say, hey, this doesn't feel like a righteous path. This doesn't feel perfect to me. It doesn't say that. That's not what paths of righteousness means. Paths of righteousness means right path, the straight path, not the crooked path. And so we have these, these beautiful, awesome couples, these two pastor couples who have felt the stirring of God to new pastures to care for new sheep and to reach more lost sheep. And God is guiding them in his righteous path. So we have to understand and we have to accept the fact that this is God's path for them. And in both of these cities, Saskatoon and, and in Winnipeg, there are many lost sheep that need to be reached. Many freezing cold lost sheep shivering. Bah, burr. You guys must be called. Right? They're sheep and they need a shepherd. And here's the danger for us. And I'm moving now to really which is our text. Uh, for the series. I'm going to move to Luke 15 in just a minute, but here's the danger. The danger is that we fail to accept God's way because we have a preference, and we do have a preference. Um, we prefer you stay, okay? Can I get an amen? The truth is we don't get our preference, and, and if we want our preference, we can find ourselves on the wrong side of God's story, Right? And so that's what we're going to look at now in Luke 15. So let's take a peek here. Luke 15, 1 and 2. Um, this is the beginning of a great chapter on lost things being found. It's so cool. So it starts here in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They didn't like what Jesus was doing. They didn't like the way he was doing it. They didn't appreciate the fact that he was associating what, with what was known as the people of the land. Here it says tax collectors and sinners, but the truth is what this means is anybody who didn't follow the law religiously like they did, 
didn't wear the clothes like they did, didn't wear the hair like they did, didn't put the thing on their head, turn it a little bit sideways and wear the long sideburns and, and all those things. Didn't do all of the things that the law and all of the commandments that they added, you know, all those things, what they amounted to. If they didn't do that, they were the people of the land. And so Jesus was viewed as defiled and unrighteous because he was associating with them. But Jesus is about to help us, probably more than help them, understand that the Father's heart longs to see lost things found. He wants to see the lost found. And so Jesus, upon hearing the muttering, speaks in verse 3. Let's read it. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. This is the end of the story. It's a precious little story about sheep being found, the lost sheep being found, about leaving what was gathered to go and find the one that had lost their way. Okay, wandered off, didn't know what they were doing or where they were going. So they need compassion. They need a rescue. So Jesus tells this story, but then he looks back to those who were religious. And he says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And then looking directly into the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he says, um, then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, Jesus was making it clear here that they were on the wrong side of this story. And that can happen to us, friends. They had a preference. Their preference was Jesus joined them. But Jesus was saying, no, 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 join me. Join me in what I'm doing. And, and, and gently, let me say, West Shore, Join Jesus. This is what Jesus is doing. And, and, and we want to make sure we're not on the wrong side of this one. You see, Jesus calls us. And, and, and he was called to the lost and to the broken and to the different. That's who he went to. And, and so when we think of saying goodbye to our pastors, we have to remember that Jesus has a plan for the lost. And think about your own life. He left the 99 and found you. And so here we are now, a part of this great 99, and we're being asked to accept that he is sending out good shepherds from this 99 to strengthen and reach sheep without a shepherd. These churches don't have pastors. The church pastor, Adam and Shane, are going to have been 18 months without a pastor. And in many ways, I think it's revenge. Because... I don't know, 40 years ago, we stole Ron Machowski from that church. And now... It's coming back on us. We are reaping what we sowed to the third and the fourth generation. <laughs> you know, um, Lisa, my sweet wife, tells a story about a blanket um, that she had. When she was little, her mom was smart, bought two of the exact same blanket. Any, any parents know what I'm talking about? Your child falls in love with a blanket, and then they lose it. And you're like, oh, no, no, it's right here. So she had two blankets. Um, and as she grew a little bit older, she was asked, hey, you're now past the stage where you're going to lose your blanket. Can we give this second one to your little cousin? 
Well, her little cousin was overjoyed to get a blanket from her big cousin. She cut a hole in the middle and wore it. Like, she loved that blanket. She was wrapped in it. It was, the edges were frayed. She would, you know, rub it on her face. She loved that blanket. But when that little cousin was in grade two, their house burned down. Lisa went to school. She was a kid. She went to school, and she came back to find out that their house had been completely burned down, that she was rescued from the house just in her PJs, and they had nothing left. There was a burnt hole in the ground. And so Lisa tells the story of her mom sitting with her and saying, so you have a blanket. We gave her one of your blankets. It looks just like it. What do you think about now that she has nothing, giving her that blanket? And you can imagine the way she processed that. The first re response was, no, thank you. <laughs> the second thought was, this really comforts me. Third thought was, it's pretty tough for her. The fourth thought was, it's the right thing to do. And so she gave her blanket. She still had all of her stuff, but she didn't have her blanket. It cost her something, but it meant the world to her cousin. They still tell the story to this day. You see, God's asking us, can we give a blanket? <laughs> can we give who's been our comfort and our support and something that we've really loved, but can we give that to a place of great need? And these two are going to a hard place, and they're saying yes. And what they need is for us to not make it harder on them. We need to stand with them. We need to see them for who they are. They've been a gift to us for over five years, and now they're going to be a gift somewhere else. And so we have some decisions to make. What's going to be our position? Let me say this. Firstly, we're proud of you. We're so proud of you. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. They, were, they were about to start a standing ovation. I had to stop them because I'm not done preaching yet. You're going to uh, a prevailing church, and that's because you're prevailing leaders. That God has designed for this moment and this purpose. And so we are absolutely and completely proud of you. And we will stand with you. And Coastline Church, may God grant us the grace to be able to be a part of developing great leaders like this. Let this be an example of what God has called us to right? Because we're a legacy church and we're sending pastors to legacy churches to do what God has allowed us to do here, which is to bring vibrant life, multiplying life into a place right now that's a little bit stale and a little bit cold and a little bit tired. And so God is doing this on purpose. And when we say yes to this, we can trust that God's going to give us who we're supposed to develop next, which is so good. Second position that we take is they are not abandoning us. We are sending them. You see the difference? They had to discern God's call, but once they did, it's like, it seems good to you and to the Holy Spirit. We're sending you. We're behind you 100%. They're actually fulfilling a mandate that's on our church. I don't know if you know that. But many years ago, we sent Pastor Evan up to Northgate Church. It has an 80 
Oh, there's some love in the house. There's an 80-year history there that Pastor Adam stepped into and is building a new legacy. And just a few years ago, we sent Pastor Jordan and Amy, we sent them over to Burnaby, and they took over a church that had um, lost its legacy and died. And they had got to bring new life to it. And now they're pastoring in that legacy space, this brand new vibrant church called Forest City. And now we're going to send Adam and Shandy to a church that's over 100 years. Their church is older than ours. And we're going to send Lucas and Trina to a a church that's over 100 years. Their church is older than ours. This is now a part of our mandate. It's a part of our legacy. And here's what God said to me, and maybe this will help you. It certainly helped me. He said to me, you don't get to direct your legacy. I want to direct my legacy. Some of you are thinking, it's my legacy. I should direct it, right? I wanted to direct my legacy, but I think he's speaking larger than just me. I think he's speaking to the church. We don't get to direct our legacy, but if if we stay open-handed and open-hearted, we'll get a front row seat on what God is doing, right? So maybe that'll help you today, seeing this unfold. And so as they go, we're going to bless them and we're going to commission them. And we're going to do that at first Wednesday. Um, December first Wednesday will be Lucas and Trina's time. And January first Wednesday will be Adam and Shandy's time. So please be there. It's going to be a cool service. There's going to be an ordination part. I want to be a part of commissioning them. I want you to be there with me. So that's January the 3rd. So you should mark that down. And the, the third thing I want to say in terms of our position, number one, we're proud of you guys. Number two, you, they're not abandoning us. We're sending them. And number three, our good shepherd will meet our needs. Did you know that? That if God has a plan for them, he also has a plan for us, right? He intends something to change. He intends to move the pieces around, and we're okay with that. Why? Because he's a good shepherd, and we're going to trust him. And Pastor Adam and Shandy have been excellent, amazing under-shepherds, and we're going to miss them. Listen, I'm going to miss you. I love you. This is hard for us because we love you, right? And it's hard for you because you love me too. You love us too. But, But here's the thing. Your departure is not in opposition to God's plan for here. It's not. It's not like, oh, what now? All the good things. They're all going out the door with Adam and Shandy. Who's your shepherd? They have served faithfully on God's behalf. God will send who's next. And we're going to trust that. Why? Because God's still your shepherd. No matter what, he's still there with you. And so just hear me say that as I close today. In fact, why don't we just take a moment. Let's bow our heads together. Let's reflect for a moment here. You know, I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. This is hard. We're going to feel it. I'm going to miss these guys. These are dear friends. These are co-shepherds. These are ones that are, are, are close to my heart. But I just trust that God is our shepherd. Can you just let the comfort of that settle on you? Maybe you just need to put your hands out in front of you and just say it. I have a good shepherd. I have a good shepherd. He loves me. And your shepherd has such good plans, friends. And that's for everybody in this room. Adam and Shandy, your shepherd has such good plans. Coastline West Shore, your shepherd has such good plans. Let him guide you. He guides you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let him guide you. Somebody just needs to say that, okay, God, 
I'll let you guide me. I'm going to let you guide me. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to the good shepherd. Can I just tell you how good Jesus is? He loves you. Give him your life. It's easy because he's done all the work. It was costly, but it's free to you. Just invite him in. Jesus, come and be my good shepherd. Come and be Lord in my life. Come and and forgive my past and give me a new future. Lord, direct my paths. Guide me in paths of righteousness. For many of us today, we just need to choose to trust him. This is a time where we can feel unsettled. But we just need to say, God, you led me here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to trust you to guide me. And by faith, I say, I believe that the pastures here are still green and that the stream is still flowing and that I have a good shepherd. I have a good shepherd. So Lord Jesus, just fill this room with your comfort because you are such a good shepherd. You're walking with us. You're going to lead us and guide us and give us rest and comfort. You're going you're to bless Adam and Shandy as they go. You're going to give them every benefit, every blessing. You're going to help them. Lord, you're going to help their kids. God, we trust you. And Lord, you're going to help us as we hold on to you, Lord. You are so good. And we thank you for your good plans in Jesus' name.